Hi, my name is Andrea Jansen, and I am on a mission to help people be ambitious at work every single day. That means you're fulfilled, you're productive, and you're contributing to your company. I'm a certified executive coach that has an MBA, a diversity consultant, a Forbes contributor, a business leader, a wife, and a mother of three. This podcast is about tackling hard topics like the gender gap in the workplace. It's about asking the questions that everybody's thinking about, but doesn't want to say out loud. Each episode is like the sweet spot between motivation and tactical strategies to get you ahead. We get out of our comfort zones and we take action. This is where we learn, grow, and create opportunities. Welcome to the Ambition Theory Podcast. Pre-pandemic, you were responsible for taking charge of your mental health in the workplace. But as the pandemic continues, this approach might be a little outdated and risky for your team. As a leader, mental health should be a priority. But how can you effectively empower your team when it comes to individual mental health? This episode was recorded live inside the Ambition Theory community. Registered psychotherapist Alethea Pimenta teaches us that self-care and meditation just isn't enough. If you really want yourself and your team to get through these tough times, you need to look at systems outside of yourself because going it alone simply doesn't work anymore. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about the Ambition Theory community, which is our brand new monthly membership program that supports leaders all over the world to advance their leadership capacity. It includes professional coaching and access to thought leaders like Alethea Pimenta, who you're going to hear in this episode. The best part is that you'll be surrounded by people who are trying to achieve the same level of success that you are because you can't solve your company's toughest problems on your own. To join the community, go to ambitiontheory.ca. Hi, Alethea. Thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. You are a fan favorite in our community and on the podcast. And I have to say, I, re- I said this the first time you came on the podcast, you are the most innovative therapist I have ever met. And your ability to figure people out within the shortest amount of time is this skill that I have never seen before. I've never experienced. You figured me out within like five minutes. I first met <laughs> and then you. I had nothing to talk about. I was like, and it's done. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, it was really, really, it was really, really powerful. So I'm so happy that you came back on the podcast today to talk about mental health and the workplace. And we're going to talk about it from a different angle. Um, because a lot of the time we talk about mental health as being your own issue. And it's up to you, the individual to figure out how to deal with it, how to handle it, what's going on. And it's really individual's responsibility, but you actually have a different perspective. And that is what if we looked at it from a systems perspective? What if we looked at it from another perspective? So I'm so excited to have you on to tackle that big issue today. So can you just introduce yourself and give us the skinny on everything about you? Yeah, Andrea, I am so excited to be back here. I definitely am a big fan of yours. So it's always nice when we get to connect. I'm a registered psychotherapist. I work in mental health. Uh, My passions are working with women entrepreneurs, working with women on their money mindset, and coaching women in leadership. Um, I have a practice where I also coach and work specifically with women on these certain issues. And I also have a practice where I work as a, as a therapist. So, you know, during the pandemic, I have been, I still, I work one-to-one. So I'm really on the ground looking and seeing and observing what's happening with people as this pandemic has been unfolding. And as there's been all these waves of job insecurity and 
new crises and work from home. And so, you know, I've really been able to see and watch and observe what's happening in all of this. So we're almost at the one year anniversary of the COVID-19 kind of shutdown, lockdown craziness. I want to know, like, what have you learned from working with your clients over the past year? Oh, yeah. Great question. Um, Hey, so, you know, one thing I'm going to say before we go into this, I'm being kind of silly here, but, you know, anytime I tell somebody that I'm a mental health, I work in mental health or I'm, I'm a therapist, you know, people start talking about, yeah, I meditate. You know, or people will start telling me about, you know, their self-care kind of practices. And the thing that I've really seen is like, you know, that's not really enough because, you know, all of those things are individual practices. They're you looking after you. And that has really not been enough in a pandemic. You really have to look at what are the ways that you can look for support outside of yourself. And, you know, I know sometimes there's this sense of, hey, you know, maybe therapy is something that you can do when you have the luxury, you have the time. If you have had issues that have been kind of hanging around in the background before the pandemic, they are going to get magnified now. Um, You know, it sounds like I'm so excited talking about this, like, oh my gosh, if you've had some stuff that you have locked away that you've never talked about, it's going to come out now, but it really has. It really has. There has been, you know, all those things that we could have done to distract ourselves, take vacations, you know, treat ourselves nicely, go out and meditate, do a yoga class, anything that we could have done before that we can't anymore. It's, there's no distraction anymore from the things that are really bothering people. And I can really see that like, people are really getting frazzled, having to actually deal with that stuff. Okay. I love that you actually said this concept of not going it alone. And that's actually where the ambition theory community is going. Cause we had this realization over the past year that like even professional development, it's like, oh, I need to work on my leadership skills. Mm-hmm. I need to invest mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. myself. I need to do all this one-on-one development work. And we realized in the past year that actually that's not enough. And it's the same thing that you're experiencing with therapy. So I love that we came to this kind of realization. This is why I love you, Olivia, because we both separately work in different businesses. And we came to this realization together because also to quote you on the first episode um, of the Ambition Theory podcast that you came on, it was, I think it was April beginning of April yeah, 2020 after, after and the, the one thing you said on this episode was anything that you're experiencing before the magnifying glass is on it now and you knew that right away so that's when I say you're the most innovative person it's like you knew it like literally like you called this that this is gonna happen and you knew it before it even unraveled so yeah not not you know it's not really great Brenda. and you, I think this is the part right where so much of I, you know, I think it's really great that, that what you're saying is we're used to working in silos because we feel like, you know, the only thing that we can really control is our own performance. And the only thing that we can really rely on is our own performance. And I feel like that also moves into how we talk about mental health because it feels like, okay, I need to, you know, do some self-care things. But sometimes I, when I'm talking with, you know, potential new clients, you know, I can kind of see that they feel like, you know, I don't have that much to talk about. Like, what can I really do in therapy? And the thing that I kind of want to get across to people is that, you know, it's not really about what's happening in the moment. It's, you know, how you were handling things is because you felt isolated and siloed. And now wanting to read a workbook or go through exercises on your own, that's kind of like you perpetuating the problem. You're trying to help yourself in the same way in which the problem was created, which is that you're isolated and you're siloed. And even if it doesn't feel like you're isolated because your partner's at home all the time, you're really isolated how you've been dealing with the problem okay so help me realize help me understand when you realized that 
kind of like the the doing it alone wasn't going to work anymore because i think in our society like that's kind of what we've been told forever and from my understanding even like the one-on-one -on -one therapy it's like you're doing this even with the therapist it's you're still kind of taking it on alone and mm -hmm. tell me when you realize like we had to kind of shift and have more more than doing it by yourself yeah so you know like one of the things that i have to you know have had to shift right is like normally when i'm like look one-on-one -on -one therapy is really powerful and part of that is like resource building but you know it's not just resource building within the client it's actually like resource building to say like what is actually possible outside of you so one of the shifts that i like to ask you to think about is rather than thinking about how how am I going to get through this? How am I going to do this? I want you to think about like, what if, right? What if I can look after myself better? What would that look like? So, you know, for example, one of the things that a lot of my clients struggle with is having so many meetings, so many meetings. And if we take a how kind of question, it's like, how can I have some of my time to work again? Right. It comes back to, well, you can't because, you know, you can use apps and you can use things, but, you know, we have to think about what if, what if I could meet less and be more effective? And if you're going to hold that kind of question, it can't just be you holding that question. It has to be everybody on your team. It has to be every in your department. And it has to be like really a shift of, you know, thinking differently. So if you are going to ask not how questions, but like what if questions, you have to involve a lot of other people. And the thing that I've really been asking clients is like, hey, you know, what are the resources that you need that are external to you? Because we're so good at thinking about like how we can keep doubling up and doubling up and doubling up. And it's like, you know, you really need to think about what are the resources you need external to you to be able to have success in a project. And you just doing more is not necessarily an efficient or effective answer. And was this something that came up in the past year or was this always your approach? You know, I definitely feel like this has always been my approach, but I can see that, you know, in the past, the thing is like, well, you know, yeah, but you know, I'm still going to think about it for myself, right? Like I'm still going to first think about it for myself. And I think now people are definitely more interested in, in thinking about it kind of in a little bit of more of a broader way of like, you know, what can be different if we're not just thinking about how we can do things, but what if we can actually be more supported? What if we can actually focus on just the things, you know, the top one or two or three things that we can do this year that are really going to move the needle in our business or in, in our industry? And is this kind of like willingness to go externally pretty quickly, right? Because you're asking people, you're saying, what if you had less meetings and you're more productive, right? Like if you do that in a therapy session, the client's going to have to go like the next week and implement that. So you're actually moving people from like internal analysis to external really quickly. Is Do you think that's because people realize these leaders that your coach that you're working with realize that if I'm feeling this way, my team's probably feeling this way and they're more open to kind of challenging the way things are done. Yeah. You know, I definitely feel like, you know, the first thing I will say, like if you're a person in leadership it is really important or essential that you have somebody who's in your corner, who you can talk things through because, you know, as a coach and as a therapist, I know that it's always interpersonal relationships, right? I won't say conflict or <laughs> problems, but it's always interpersonal stuff that needs to be handled and managed and really supported. So, you know, it's, it's not that people don't know what to do. It's that they don't feel like they have the support to actually go out and like talk to the other people about what the issue is. That's why you see all these articles that are like, how to say no, how to have boundaries, how to, you know, you know, you have all these like kind of solutions, but the real issue is like, yeah, you have to be able to have these conversations with other people. And that's the hard part. 
there and that's the part that actually I can support with and that you can support with and like really saying like yeah you know what would it be like if we could empower other people to have these kinds of conversations oh I love that like it's not the actual here's the five steps it's like how do you actually implement the five steps which is the hard part I love that because it always starts with a hard conversation okay so did you kind of, when you realize this and you're like, okay, I'm really going to push my clients to go external. Was there any blocks that came up for either oh, for yeah. you or for them? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, like this is the part, right. Where, you know, we can talk like strategy, right. And like, this is the, this is the multifaceted part where like, I can talk strategy. I can say, Hey, look, you're really burnt out. You're already working 12 hours. I know this is the norm in your industry, but you've already been giving the max for the past, maybe year or two years, you know, when you're on your promotion track. So that's already been happened. You can't double down on that. Um, and, you know, the, the things that come up, right, the hiccups that come up, right, this is the part where I, I, I drop into being a therapist because when I ask them, like, hey, you know, these are some conversations that you're going to have to have with peers or these are conversations that you might have to have with people in a management position or position of authority. And, you know, the, the thing that comes up, right, is, like, I really ask to say, like, hey, you know, engage and chat, right? Like, what's happening for you? What's your feeling? Like, what's actually going on for you? Right. And this is the part where I step in as a, the therapist and I say, like, hey, you know, look, right, you might be having a really big reaction to having such a direct conversation because, you know, in the past, if we go back to you being younger, asking your parents for things, you know, probably if we kind of check and see, right, in bucket one, which is your parents, and bucket two, which is now your manager or the boss, right, you might be surprised to see that they're kind of similar in terms of like, what's the block, right? So if I were to say more, I'd say, you know, oftentimes I'll say like, hey, you know, when you were younger, like what happened when you wanted to ask your parents, right? And some people would say, look, I, I knew it was going to be a no, so I would just not even bother, right? And I'm like, okay, let's compare. Like, is that similar now, right? Oftentimes it is. Or someone would say like, look, I knew that they were too busy or too alarmed, right? You're that oldest kid. You're doing everything yourself. You're managing. You're like, you know, I could tell they were wrong, so I had to figure out my own solution, Right? And I'll say, okay, are you doing that now too? Mm. Right? So this is the part where, you know, having somebody who really knows you, right? Because it's not just about implementing a strategy. It's like, you know, why am I resisting implementing the strategy? Right? This is when I say like, you know, people know what to do, but they need support that is like in actually moving them through that. Okay. And what kind of results have your clients been getting from, from kind of this because I love immediate implementation <laughs> um, and it sounds like you're like, and I know you love implementation, but it's like, it sounds like in the past year, your implementation plan has been supercharged with your clients. Yeah. So what, have, what has happened for them? You know, like this is the part, right. Where like actually implementing has allowed them to do things that they have not felt like may have been possible because, you know, they've been kind of riding the wave that everybody else is riding, which is like in a pandemic, people do not get promoted in a pandemic. People are not going to be able to negotiate a better uh, you know, salary or better benefits or, you know, better anything. So they've really been blocked under this assumption. And when I've said like, hey, you know, go and implement, ask for these things, right? And it's not me saying like, this is what you need to ask for, but like, what if, what if you were actually enjoying your job and you didn't just think you were going to leave, right? What would that look like? What would you need to have? So, you know, people have had, you know, $20,000 kind of promotions and they're working in industries where they didn't think it was possible. You know, and this is not me. This is me just saying like, they have now felt empowered enough to really become clear on what their needs are and not feel like, you know, they need to just kind of do what everybody else is doing because they have just this like fear level, right? So when people are like breaking their fear level, 
people have been able to get promoted. People have been able to negotiate different working hours. They've been able to actually, you know, get pay increases without necessarily having to take on tasks that they were not suited to. So people have been actually able to pivot from jobs. They were like, you know what? Having all of the stress right now during a pandemic has really made me realize like, you know, this thing that I thought I should be doing and focusing on is not the thing that actually is like a natural strength to me. So, you know, when you have the support to really, and look, right, Andrea, like as we're talking about this is another important thing is like sometimes when there is a crisis, when there is a trauma, there's a possibility of having post-traumatic growth. Right. Anytime there's a crisis, there's always a possibility of having growth and that growth can happen when you're not going inside yourself, but you're really allowing other people to safely support you to like move it towards a challenging place. I love this. And so here's the thing, Alethea, I would love it if every therapist used your methodology, but they're like, I think a lot of like other therapists, but also like, just like our culture is still so internally focused, right? Like no, nobody's heard the news, right? Like you, you haven't mm-hmm. like, this message has not been shared that really like it's time to look externally from ourselves to look at these issues. So how do we get started in like, you know, bringing this to the mainstream, shifting people's like perceptions of like what it is to mm-hmm. get, feel supported and like take care of yourself and like almost like reframe the self-care Oh yeah, because like if self-care is meditation, like you even I don't meditate. So, you know, that's that's not easy to hold when there's all of this stuff happening. Hey, so, you know, Andrea, like one thing I want to say is, you know, therapy is a lot about fit. And it's a lot about fit between you and your practitioner. And, you know, if you don't like their website, if you don't, you know, it's like you really have to look for it. And I think that, you know, one of the things I, I really want to see as, uh, as a therapist is sometimes we don't value therapy the same way that we would value education like everybody knows that education is expensive right you just you just know that you know that it's going to pay off and people also know that therapy can be expensive it can definitely you know it's not one of those nicely covered health benefits not for everyone and at the same time the reward is really huge but it definitely involves us like shifting our mindset right shifting our mindset around money and shifting our mindset around what are the things we need to do to really like care for ourselves that include other people so that would be the first thing. And, you know, the second thing that you're really asking about is, hey, you know, what can people do if they are still like really wanting to, you know, find support right outside of themselves? And the first thing that I would say is like, hey, if you are going to try and work on your goal, like identify what the goal is and then find other people who are doing that goal. If you can have a community of people who are doing that goal, that's huge, right? That's amazing. You just need five other people who are going to support you in that goal, who are also involved in that goal. That's amazing. And also, you know, sometimes I have made changes in my business just from hearing someone else on a podcast doing something different, right? Because if I can identify um, as a woman, as a mom, as a woman of color, and I'm like, wow, that person did all of those things, you know, because normally I'd be like, well, you know, I have these, 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 and these reasons why I would not have done it. But if I can see even one person doing something that I want to do, right, even that can be empowering. Okay. I love that. So like surround yourself with people who are kind of shifting that perspective, doing the kind of things. So I'm so curious about people in a big company, like you're like in the middle of this massive hierarchy of like an international company. And you're like, I love this idea of looking outside of myself. Um, You know, I love the idea of like meeting less. What if we could be more productive with less meetings, but the culture in the, in the company is like meeting, 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 meeting. And that's just the way it's been for however many years. And if you bring that up, it's really challenging the way work gets done. It's challenging everything. How does one individual get started 
doing mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, you know, look, right. Like I always feel like there is an accountability that we hold to people in leadership. And there's also a level of accountability that people in leadership need to hold to us. So if you are going to create this kind of change, you know, you have to be able to like start and talk to other people who also feel similarly and be able to really ask, right? I think it is your right that you should be able to ask, sit down and ask your manager, hey, you know, there's a lot that is like on our to-do list, but like, what are the, can you, you know, can you help me identify like, what are the one or two tasks that if we got this accomplished, this would really change things, right? Like you need to be able to have different conversations that are not just like, wow, we need a lot. It's like, ah, you know, that, that, that puts people on the defensive. But if you can really focus back to, hey, you know, I really want to know, right? Like there's a lot going on you know, but what are the one or two things? Like, can you articulate, can you identify, right? And sometimes it's like, is it possible? Do you have access to the boss's boss, right? And an informal way to talk about, right? Or if you are in an industry where there are not a lot of people who look like you, who sound like you, can you go um, to another company just to talk with, right? Just to talk with and be like, hey, you know, look, I don't have a lot of explicit power right now. Right. A lot of the power that I have is kind of soft, but, you know, this is the thing that I feel like I really want to be able to focus on. Um, and I don't want to be, you know, focusing on all of these details. Like I really want to, you know, how can I have that conversation? So being able to find people who've already done it, but, you know, really, I, I also think that there is definitely a level of responsibility that people in leadership have to us. And I think that sometimes people forget that. So I'm also curious, because when you're thinking about the meetings, I imagine like right away, I thought of the person in the middle of the company, but I also know people who are actually in charge. They are on the senior leadership team, but they're in a big, like established organization that like, you know, this is the way things are done. And they even feel, even though they are the boss, they can't challenge the status quo. They don't feel empowered to challenge the status quo because things have always been that way. So how if someone's in that position like how do you like reframe it how do you like become open and get kind of the people around you open to doing things differently you know again right like you know right now right oh andrea you're not gonna like this but you know right now what we're asking is like a how question right it's like how can these people oh, do this you're right how okay so what if okay i got to reframe the question what if someone at the top of an organization is like you know this is the way things always things have like this established industry, this is the way we do it. Um, like one example is like billable hour industries, right? And like mm-hmm. right now, like some industries have challenged the billable hour, some mm-hmm. haven't. And mm-hmm. like, you're like, okay, that's like the way it like, it just is that way, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what if it wasn't that way? What if someone wanted to get a whole bunch of people to think differently and run business differently? Andrea. Good. I like this. Um, you know, you're always so good, right? I'll always be like, hey, Andrea. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, so look, right, the thing that you're talking about is really important because we always have to talk about compensation, right? Sometimes people are like, I'm so passionate about my job. The compensation is not the most important. But actually, right now, there's a lot of fear. And, you know, money is a big source of fear for a lot of people. So even if they have not been laid off, even if they have not been, their hours have not been cut, even if they're totally okay, just watching other people lose their jobs, just watching other businesses get restructured causes a lot of anxiety for people. So, you know, what we, what that, what happens in our brain is that we kind of think like, okay, if we do the same things that we're always expected to do, if we play it safe, then that will mean that, you know, at least, you know, these were all the things that are on my critical path. If I just hit them all off, I will be ensured to get my bonus. So, you know, if we can ask, like, what if we are more productive without needing to, you know, kind of follow this template? Can we identify as a company what are the things that we need to do to really become more profitable? 
right? If we focus on that and if we can like allow people to not have to just kind of follow their list because that list means, okay, if you've completed your list, now you'll get your bonus. I love that. So I love looking at it from a profit perspective because that it's like you could do the billable hour, you could do this, there's all these different things. And then you're just, you're asking a different question instead of being like, how can we get, like, how can we build more hours this year? Because it's like hitting your head against the wall, right? Okay, we need to build more hours. It's like, how can we be more profitable? And then it opens yes, it up. Yes, that's to, a different question. It's a different question. It's a different that question. Asking. I love that. Okay, so what about leaders, right? So what if you're a leader on a team and you're like, oh, I like this idea of going outside of myself, looking outside of myself, and not everybody is open to going to therapy, right? So say a leader has a team that people may or may not be open to going to therapy. And I don't, I don't think you have spots for all of these potential people that are going to want to work There are with lots you of amazing too. therapists. There are lots of amazing therapists. But um, how can people like just on, is there a way, I guess my question is like, what if people want to start looking outside of themselves for support? Where do they get started? You know, like, again, right, like, this is, this is the part where, like, if you are able to, like, really surround yourself with a community of peers who you can hear things from them that are kind of uncomfortable, right, because, like, sometimes I'll start by telling a client, like, hey, you know, this might not be that comfortable for you to hear, is it okay if I kind of share this, right, because what we want is being able to have, like, feedback for what's happening. A lot of the times people feel like they need the path to figure out, like, what they need to do next in order to get there. That's usually not the problem. It's usually, like, what do I need to stop in order to get there, right? What are the behaviors? What are the ways that I need to approach my relationship looking differently? What are the ways in which I need to just like, you know, support myself better in order to get there? And if that is something that, you know, you're feeling like, okay, you know, I'm not really ready to go into therapy just yet, which I would really encourage. But if you're not ready to do that, you know, I would definitely say having community can be really effective. You know, joining a program that is, is ethical, that is not exploitative, Right? That's not just going to promise you making you a whole lot of money. Join a community where you can feel like you can be supported, that you can like really dig in and really have a relationship with other people there. We, you know, because this is not about I'm going to learn. This is more about, you know, where can you find a relational community of peers? Oh, I love that. And it's just, and I think it's like that what if, right? Like it's almost like the domino effect. One person says what if, and then the other person is like, ooh what if this and then you keep like stacking on the what ifs and then it kind of snowballs and one person might ask the question in their company and then share the result with their peers and then it just kind of lifts everything up that I feel like that's what it's going to take to change like industries to, to really have that cultural shift of like how are we going to change the way that we work because the way that we work it's like not working <laughs> Yeah, it's not working and it's actually not profitable if you think about the amount of stress or strain it's putting on people's mental health or physical health. So, you know, it might, it's not actually profitable and sustainable for the long term. All right. So what if we did, like, so what does, let's like imagine what does like a profitable way of working look like? You know, this is a part where I feel like the first part would definitely be doing a really good self-inventory. Right. do a really good self-inventory because sometimes you might be put on projects that you know they might have felt like such a great ego boost like oh my gosh I can't believe this person thought that I was good enough to be on this project but you know really check and see are your skills and values aligned with this project you know are you kind of just like you know energetically how excited do you feel going into this project because if you're going to be dragging your feet for the next three to six months it's going to feel like a big struggle even if you turn in a good job 
right? That's not going to be really that easy to do. So I think the first part is always, you know, this is the hard part, right? Because this is the hard part where you have to be able to talk with peers and your supervisors and saying like, you know, I, I thanks for thinking about me, but you know, I don't know if this is the best project for me. And Ooh, that I think, feels well, I hard. A, I have a better <laughs> one though. If the leader, yeah. literally, instead of like putting it on the individual, what if the boss thought that way, right? Like the person in charge is like, I have all these things to do. What if I aligned it with every, what if I had an inventory of my whole team's skill set, my mm-hmm. whole team's values, like we call it what drives your ambition. And mm-hmm. then you align the job, like literally like this person is motivated by connecting with people. So I'm going to give them a job that, mm-hmm. you know, they're connecting with people all the time versus, oh, this person is really motivated by, you know, detail oriented, like detail oriented things. And then like aligning people that way. Yeah, you know, look, like these are really easy, effective, low cost ways of doing things. You know, I always recommend people do a strengths finder, right? It's the Gallup strengths finder. And, you know, you can kind of look at it, especially if an industry is doing it, you know, just look at your company, look at what's happening. But again, right, I feel like these are the parts where you have to be able to like make those small calibrations because, you know, we can hold a big vision. And then when it comes to implementation, we're like, okay, but this is what we've already done. And this is what's been established enough to like get us to be profitable. We have to kind of really change that and being like, okay, under these current circumstances, what do we need to calibrate? Okay. So I'm so curious about entrepreneurs because we've mostly been talking about bigger organizations and I feel like, like I'm an entrepreneur and I feel like I have been slammed this year, to be honest, with all the pivots. Everything's great. Like the thing is like, I would not have it any other way. And Mm -hmm. the challenges that kind of we faced in our company this year have Mm -hmm. led to way bigger opportunities that I think would not have presented themselves if all of this craziness didn't happen. But it's like, it can be exhausting, like the pivoting, the figuring things out and really looking for that North Star or that guiding light on how we want to, you want to run a business. There's not like that many role mm-hmm. models that are doing mm-hmm. it in a way that's mm-hmm. really sustainable, that's really profitable. So talk to me about what if I could build a company that like everybody, nobody was burnt out. People were excited to come up, come to work every day. And we we're very, very profitable. Like what if? What if, what would that look like? Hey, so look, right? This is the part, like when I coach, I coach other, other um, service providers because I want to help them see, like I work with people who are highly sensitive. I work with people who probably had like uh, trauma around money. So, you know, maybe they grew up kind of where money was always a source of conflict, even if they may have had enough money. Um, and the thing that I have to do is like, I have to say, like, if I'm going to show somebody something else, I have to be able to model it for myself. So if you're going to lead the company, you need to be able to really model that for your people. So for me, like, you know, since the pandemic has started, I was really struggling. I was struggling to keep up just, you know, I'm not even talking to keep up my business. Like I was struggling with like just being able to fold the laundry because there's nobody else who can come in to fold the laundry. It has to be me, right? It sounds like a silly thing, but you know, all of these things are just piling up and they're kind of getting all over the place. So since the pandemic started after struggling and feeling like, you know, I'm not keeping up, I'm not keeping up. I decided that I need to take the last week off every month. Right. And the first thing that happens is like, you know, the minute somebody says something like, it's like, wait a minute, but is that going to really affect your income? And it's like, okay, yes. But what if, what if I can have a business where I take off the last week every month and I'm actually more profitable and I'm actually like really intentionally keeping space aside to like really grow, really think, and really give myself a time away from what I'm doing to really think about how I can grow. Because like you and I were working 
with like knowledge, we're working with research, we're working with ideas. And we actually need to be able to disconnect from all of that to come back to ourselves so that we can actually be more effective. So if you're going to lead other people, you need to really, you know, kind of really understand for yourself what it is for you to be able to have space for yourself. That doesn't feel like, you know, if you're not there for that two or three days or a week that your company is going to, going to fall apart, right? You need to know that, hey, every time you take that break, even if it's just one supporter, that you're going to be able to like have a much more robust or stronger business. I love that because you said that those supporters, right? So it's like, literally, it's like recognizing that a really successful business cannot be built alone. <laughs> like that lone wolf entrepreneur like archetype that you think that is kind of shot, like shone a light on in our society is actually not a really sustainable, profitable model. And I love that you said like, let's have these supporters. Let's see like who, like you got to really, like at the end of the day, it sounds like you just have to, like the main thing is look out of yourself, outside of yourself and figure out like what else. Yeah. What else, right. And also like really be clear on what your values are because there can, you know, there's such a, you know, in the kind of like internet marketing kind of world that we kind of hang out in, there's such a focus on constantly doubling our revenue. Right. And that's fine. If you just want to be ambitious, if you want to set high goals, that's fine. But I also want you to check and see, you know, like what else is a value, right? What else does this business have to give to you besides money? Because you can have the money being hit and you can still not feel satisfied, right? So it's like, if, if the, if you, know, what are your success metrics? If money is the only success metric, then you're definitely going to be missing a lot. It's definitely going to be like, well, I'm hitting that, but it's still not, you know, those other places are still not being filled or met, right? What else is needed besides money and besides being able to take care of yourself? Okay, so I have a question. So we always encourage people to take action within 24 hours after learning something new. So this isn't your first time on the podcast, so you know this. So I know that people a lot of the times have trouble like imagining what if. Like people, mm -hmm. we've talked a lot about this what if exercise and I love it. But it's sometimes it's really hard to even allow yourself to go there. So what mm -hmm. can people do to like prepare themselves to just so they're ready to to say to ask themselves like what if and come up with those things that get them thinking outside of themselves yeah so you know I think what you're saying is really important right because like this is it, it sounds like a simple question but people judge what they're desiring because it just feels like in my industry it's not going to happen right I've worked with people who are like in my industry this doesn't happen I was like okay but what if we could get that pay and only work half the time right and of course that happened or what if we could you know so there's always different ways of doing it but I think that this is the part where the judgment is going to happen right away because there's such a difference between asking like a what if question that's grounded in reality and just like fantasy, right? So if you're going to really have like a what if question that's grounded in, rea in reality, I think sometimes it might be helpful to be like, if this is my job, what would it be like if I could have a day that just like went as I actually wanted to go, right? We're not like imagining that you're a mega millionaire or you're doing something radically different, but you doing your job, you being passionate in your job and just imagine, right? Just mapping out for yourself, like, what does your, what would you like your day to actually look like, right? You actually just like, you know, schedule it out. And then actually for a week, I want you to actually like log your week and see what your week actually looks like, right? And look at like, hey, you know, if I was just keeping the time container over a year, what would it be like for me to calibrate between where I am now and what I think I might be happier doing or what I think it might be like if my day would looked a little bit like this. 
Oh, I love it. So simple. It's just like, what if, and then track. I love it because it, the evidence never lies, right? You yep, it's true. It. And then it, it's like your own case study about yourself. So thank you for that, Alethea. So if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Um, they can definitely check me out on my website, opamenta.ca. They can send me an email. You know, I'm always, I'm always open to chatting to people about, you know, listening to what's happening for them, offering them any support or solutions in terms of connecting them with other people who might be a better resource to them. Yeah. So you can find me there. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming back on the podcast, Alethea. It's a joy so much, as Andrea. always. Hi there. Before you go, I was wondering if I could ask you a huge favor. Can you click on iTunes and give the podcast a five-star review and also a comment? This would mean the world to me. It also helps us to spread the word about the podcast and attract higher profile guests. We want to be able to deliver thought leadership around diversity and inclusion every single week and having more reviews on iTunes will help us to do that and help us to keep the show going for free for you. So please head to iTunes right now, give us a five-star review and leave us a comment. Thanks so much. 